0: Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. So we have to think we, not me. Somebody say it again. Tell your neighbor, think we, not me. Come on, just say it one more time. Think we, not not me. You know, this week, I'm not a natural mechanic type person. And this week, uh, the center console in my, uh, my suburban, the center console, the, 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 um, the handle broke. Okay. In other words, I went to go open it and it wouldn't open. And I'm like, oh man, what's going on with the handle. So I had to shove my hands in there and it's kind of sharp, you know, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm, trying to open it and I I went to go force it and I thought I better not break this whole thing. So I gently, gently opened it up and then I closed it again and I couldn't get it open again and I thought, doggone it, I don't want to have to. And I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be smart and I'm going to act like I'm mechanical, okay? So I looked up a YouTube video. How to fix a handle on a center console. Have you ever looked up a YouTube video to fix something? Yeah. Okay, good. So there's the ticket. So I, I looked at it I, uh, and, I, and I thought, oh man, this guy, he looks like he knows exactly what he's doing. I found the part. I went on to Amazon. I ordered the part. The part came the next day. I mean, we live in like kind of a miraculous world with Amazon. I don't know how they knew the part, but it came in. So it came in, I think it was uh, two days ago. It came in and the part came in and I thought, oh, now what do I do? So I had to look up a different YouTube video of how to take the console apart, how to, uh, you know, put, so I'm climbing in. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of big if you didn't notice. Okay. So, so I'm trying to climb in. I didn't go on the steering wheel side. I get on the other side and I'm kind of kneeling down. And I'm trying to open up. So I open up the console. I couldn't get the thing open. I finally figured out how to. I got the whole console off. You know, I take the old part. I unscrewed the old part. I put it down. And then um, I'm like, okay, man, I'm doing good. Praise the Lord. I'm going to tell someone. This is going to be a testimony. I'm going to tell someone I fixed this thing. So I take the part. I go and I screw it back in and put it, you know, put it in. And I thought, dude, that's it. I put the thing back on. I'm So, so I close the thing and I go to open it. And, and, and it didn't work again. I thought, dog, what's wrong with me? What's going on with me? I don't know how to do it. And so I, I take the thing back apart. I go through the whole thing again. I take it back apart and I take the thing out. I'm like, what in the world? And I, I finally, I get out of the car and I'm just like, Lord, I'm just going to pray in the spirit for a little bit or I'm going to think about, I mean, what in the world? What's going on? And I look down and I saw the new part was sitting on the floorboard. <laughs> I screwed back in the old part. <laughs> I screwed back in the old handle. And put the whole thing back together, and I wonder why it didn't work. You know what I realized? I realized if you want something to work, you got to throw the old away. You know what I did? I mean, just in case, because I'm, I'm prone to make that mistake again. Just in case, I mean, I took that thing and walked to the thing over to the trash can. I thought, I'm not even going to. And I threw the thing away, and I walked back over, and I set the new part right down. I unscrewed the thing back in and put it in. And you know what? Guess what? It works. This morning, I opened it five times on my way here. I mean, just wanted to make sure. But let me tell you, do you know that sometimes that's what happens to you when you learn something new? Is you learn something new, you take apart the old, and then you put the old back on, and you wonder why that didn't work. Because you didn't put on the new man, and you kept the old man. See, sometimes we think we want to keep the old man just in case we need him again. That's just in case we need to default back to him again. Then we wonder why things don't work. Things won't work the old way, right? We have to have something new. That's why I know that I know that I know that I know that the Lord spoke to my heart, adjusted the series that I was gonna talk about and said, you need to talk about community. You need to talk about unity. As much as I said, Lord, that sounds a little boring to me. I mean, I like community, I like people, I like all this together. But you know, typically people like go, community, yeah, it sounds like sociology or something. Not a lot of people are really into that type of thing. But nevertheless, I... I pray about what I'm supposed to speak about, and I know that the Lord said speak about community. So today is number four, the last one about community. Somebody say amen. Okay. Amen. We can't put on the old mindset. We can't think independently and try to get the results of community and the things that the Lord's called us to do, called us together. Let me give you a quick review of this. Number, week one, we talked about that community is common unity. Common unity, the things that we have in common. John chapter 17, uh, Jesus prayed. He said, I pray that they may be one just as me and the Father are one. Well, if Jesus prayed that, there would be a tendency that we, the church, even though we come and worship under the same roof, that we may not be one all the time, right? That's why you see uh, divisions, I mean denominations. (laughs) I'm just kidding. You see people all over the place and say, what kind of Christian are you? What kind of this? What kind of that? Because there's divisions. There's separations. Separations between beliefs. Separations between skin color. Separations between what you were raised in, what you were baptized in, who you were baptized in, and all these things. Why? Because there's constant separation and division. But God said, I pray that they may be one. As you are one. In fact, and we also talked about in Ephesians chapter 4 that it says, endeavoring to keep the unity, straining to keep the unity, putting up with one another, bearing with one another in love. Have you ever had to put up with a, a, a sinner? Have you ever had to put up with a Christian? Which one's harder? I don't, don't answer that. Okay. But let me just tell you, you can put up with a brother and sister. Sometimes you just got to put up with stuff. Like you should be farther along. Sometimes you have to put up with yourself. Like I should be farther along, right? Than that. But bearing with one another, we talked about common unity. That it's not about what what we, it's not about just saying we're part of the same church. No, we share the same mission. It's our mission. That's what community is. Number two, we talked about, second week, we talked about the power of one. That unity is not just the absence of conflict. It's not just the absence. People say, are we in unity? That means we're not fighting. No, it's not defined by what we don't do together, it's uh, defined by what we do together. Unity is defined not by what we don't do together. We don't fight. No, what we do together, that we share a mission. It's kind of like a puzzle piece, that if you took a puzzle piece, you know, we've had puzzles around my house, around our house, and, and you pick up a puzzle piece and I say, I wonder what puzzle this goes to. I don't look at it and say, Oh, look at that puzzle. That's a cool puzzle. In fact, I don't even know what the heck's on that puzzle, right? I look at it and I say, It's kind of blue, it's kind of green, it has sort of what is a cloud. No, I say, Where does that puzzle piece belong? And there's a lot of people who are looking for their purpose and they realize they're a part of a bigger picture. And you'll never find the purpose of your puzzle piece until you find out where that puzzle piece fits. You fit in within the context of a bigger picture. And so why am I talking about community? Because I'm talking about your purpose. We find our purpose in the context of the bigger puzzle, in the context of community. So we talked about the power of one and that our old life is dead and our new life is hidden with uh, Christ in God. Um, Christ loves the church. Christ loves his body. He loves the fullness of him. Let's not be haters of the church. I've been hurt by the church. Uh, who hasn't been hurt by somebody, right? You haven't been hurt by the church. You've been hurt by people. You've been hurt by people. So what, what do you need to do? Forgive them. Forgive them and move on and learn to trust again. Why? Because the ephesians says that christ 's body is the fullness of him, so if you 're against christ 's body then you 're against christ 's head you 're against christ right let 's learn to trust people again and step out and follow Christ together. Um, Um, And we also talked about in the book of Genesis that the Tower of Babel, they weren't doing a good thing, but they all had one mind and they all had one tongue. They spoke the same way. Their hearts were the same way. God said, we're going to have to break up their plans. So what did he do? He broke up their language. When people start talking divisive or talking different, their plans break up. Now, God said, those people are people that they're talking the same way and nothing they propose will be withheld from them. So we're gonna to have to confuse their language. And what did they do? Not only could they, they, did they have to stop what they were building, but they dispersed all over the globe because they were talking a different language. Listen, let me tell you, unity has to do with your heart and it has to do with what you say. In front of people and behind closed doors. So we have to keep a spirit of unity. And then last week we talked about uh, a message, wash their, wash their what? That Jesus is all God. Jesus became all man. Then Jesus became not only all man, but he became not like a CEO, man. He became a servant. And then Jesus took the lowest position of a servant, which was a foot washer. So Jesus became God became man, became a servant or a slave and became the lowest slave and washed their feet. And he said, this is how I want you to start the church. He said, the the greatest among you, the greatest leader is the greatest servant. I want you you to notice he didn't say is the one who serves. He said, is a servant. See, servant is not, serving is not just something you do because we can all serve, but serving is someone you are. Let me ask you the question. If you're a great leader, are you a great servant? Right. Otherwise, you have a great title. Right. If you have, if you're a great, lead, if you have a title of a, of a leader, but you're not a great servant, then you have a great title. Amen. But Jesus said, the real servant is the one who serves one another. In what position? The lowest. Do you ever sign up for the lowest position? Yeah. That's that's what that's what uh, we need to ask the Lord. Is Lord, I'm available. In fact, why don't we just say that to the Lord? Lord, I'm available in whatever area you want. In Jesus' name. So today we're talking about we, not me. Why Why are we talking about we and not me? Because, listen, the Bible says that there's one, in Ephesians 4, there's one body. It didn't say there's one body part. He says there, in the church there's one body part. No, he says, just like a piece of the puzzle, there's one body. He thinks of the body of Christ as a whole as much as he loves your calling. As much as he loves your anointing, but you don't know the anointing on my life. Yeah, but, there, it, it, but, but the anointing he speaks of is the anointing of the church. And the anointing that you're called to, 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 to flow out, to, that's supposed to be on you and through you, is supposed to flow throughout the church. So it's the anointing for others, not the anointing for you. Your gift, your anointing, your passion, your zeal, your uh, the things that you're developed in are to be used to bless and love others. So because there's one body. God has called us, church, to do something together. As, as a church, if you're called to Memphis Tabernacle, God has called you with us to do something together. He's called the body of Christ. Um, We do have a revival, as you know, scheduled next week. God shows up in a unified church. I wanna remind you of Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. What does that mean? It means there's a timing to everything. Do you know that next week there's a timing that we're all supposed to be here and be a part of this? He says, uh, uh, he shows up when the day of Pentecost had fully come. They had to wait 50 days, not because it was just, oh, well, like, what's the deal with 50? No, because it was on a specific day at a specific time. He says they were all with one accord. What does that mean? It means they had unity of heart. In one place. What does that mean? It means they were together. They weren't around. They were together in unity of heart. And suddenly... What is suddenly? It's an appointed time. Have you ever heard someone say, yeah, it took me 20 years to get that opportunity. It took me 20 years to have that miraculous opportunity. In other words, I prayed for it for 20 years, but I showed up on the day it happened, and bam, it was waiting for me on that particular time. That's what happened in the book of Acts. It wasn't that they just prayed hard enough. It was that they were together in in presence. They were together in heart. And they were together at the appointed time that the Lord had. And suddenly happened. That's what God is saying to us. God's saying be community. Don't just do community. Be community. Somebody say it with me today. Be community. Be community. So I'm going to give you four things as we wrap up this series. Four uh, things about being community. And here's what the four things are. Here's what the four things are. Number one is consumer mentality. Number two is independent thinking. Number three, so consumer mentality, independent thinking. Number three is trust, and number four is motivation. Okay, I'm gonna go over those again, but consumer mentality, independent thinking, trust, And motivation are the four things. I'd love for you to take notes, at least write down the points and write down the main scriptures. I don't have a lot of them, but I want you to at least write those down. Now, on each one of the points, you're going to replace one thing for the other. I told you the story how I had to throw the old part away in order for the new part to be replaced, right? I had to throw the old part away. Otherwise, I'd end up probably by default putting on the old part again. So consumer mentality is this. You have to replace what's in it for me with what's in it for we, now, I know if you're, you know, you've studied English or even speak English, you say it's supposed to be what's in it for us. I know, but we rhymes better, okay? So instead of what's in it for me, with replace it with what's in it for we. Somebody say, what's in it for we? What's it for yeah, what's in it for we? I'd like to just start saying that, hey, hey, what's in it for we, right? Someone starts says, hey, I want to do this. What's in it for we? What's in it for us? Why? Because that's that's community thinking. In the book of Philippians, chapter two, verse three, we went over it last week, but I want to read it to you again. It says, do nothing, somebody say nothing out of selfish ambition. What can I get out of it? Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Or we could say, do nothing for self alone. Make sure that we win, not just I win. Right? <laughs> is this is this the Bible? Yeah, okay. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, va- value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each one of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mind as Christ Jesus. Here's what that means if we don't win, then I don't win. Come on, somebody say it. If we don't win, then me don't win. Yeah. <laughs> If we don't win, then me don't win, right? That's the way we need to think. We don't think, well, I won that one. I won that conversation. I won that deal. I won this. No, no, no. Every relationship that you have, if you don't think that way, you're going to destroy the relationship. That's with your spouse. That's with your kids. That's with your family. That's with your job. If we don't win, then me don't win. That's with the church. Right? How can you, I'm not sure I get anything from church, Some somebody might say, I know it wouldn't be never at this church, probably at another church, okay? But they would say, listen, if we don't win, then me don't win. Yeah. We all win together and we all lose together, right? The, 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 all the boats float, float on the same ocean, right? It, when the tide goes up, right, they all go up. When it goes down, they all go down. So we live, but we live in a consumer mentality. That's the issue, you and I live in a consumer mentality that asks the question constantly, what's in it for me? We're even taught, we read books, what's in it for me? How, the, how am I going to get the deal? How am I going to get the advantage in this situation? With the thinking that if I don't win or if, you don't, if we think mentality that we all win, then I'm really not going to win or I'm not going to win as much. The reality is, though, if you think relationships, then you have to think we all win. We all win together or we don't win at all right so we we replace what's in it for me with what's in it for we do you know what even in churches churches will teach the same thing and don't really mean to teach that way but you you tend to think with the lord what's in it for you how do you benefit how are you like like how, what's in it for you you're you're thinking constantly What what is the Lord going to do for me? What about me? What about me? What about me? What about me? So we start having this this mentality that what is it for me, God? If I worship, how is it going to help me? If I read the Bible, how is it going to help me? If I do this, how is it going to help me? Well, first of all, God already helped you. (laughs) If he hadn't helped you, you couldn't even do what you're talking about, right? Right. Right. So we have to not have this what does God do for me? What does the church do for me? How does it help me? Am I being fed? Are my needs being met? It sounds so immature, doesn't it? It's like a little baby, I'm, 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 I did not get my milk, I didn't get my crackers, I didn't get my uh, right you're thinking about all the time, you're thinking about me. I need uh, me, me. It sounds so immature, but we can bring that same mentality into the church. I can tell you, I can walk into any dry-bone church and get fed. You know why? Because I go to feed. I don't care if I'm sitting in the pew. I'm going to walk in and feed somebody next to me. Right? And I'm going to get fed. And as I'm feeding them, I'm feeding myself. Right? People who go to feed get fed. Given, it will be given unto him. Right? Don't go just to get fed. Go to feed. Don't go to just to be in, I don't feel encouraged. I don't feel overlooked. Somebody didn't hug me this morning. No, that's a me church. We don't have a me church. We have a what? We have a we church. We have a we church. We win together. Don't just go to get fed. Go to feed. Don't just go to get encouraged. Get in, be, Encourage somebody else. Love somebody else. Be the solution. Be the answer. Right? Be who God's called you to be. We don't have a consumer mentality. Uh, you, you hear the word nowadays, Narcissist. Narcissistic thinking. You know what? Narcissistic thinking is excessive interest in oneself or one's f- uh, physical appearance. That, that every conversation is thinking about me. How does that affect me? What do they think about me? What do they say about me? And, and, and me, and me, and me. And you're like, shut up. That that person's probably not going to have great relationships. Narcissistic thinking, individual thinking, can be an enemy to community and unity. I said. Individual thinking, narcissist thinking, thinking about yourself all the time can be a huge enemy if you're working with people at your job and all they're thinking about is themselves. It can be an enemy to the blessing and the prosperity of the whole uh, company or of the whole uh, um you know, organization or tribe or however you're working together. The same thing with the church. If we have a bunch of independent thinking, that all we're thinking about is ourselves, it's going to hurt the whole. Can somebody say amen? That's true. It's going to hurt the whole. Community is what we do together. Individualism is what you do for me. If I walk around and all I'm thinking about is what you do for me, we can't be community. We have to win together. How can our relationship benefit me, some people think. You know, have you ever had that friend call you up and they just got into something? I remember specifically having a friend that I had not talked to for probably five years. And he called me up one day, texted me one day, said, hey, do you have some time to talk? And I thought, man, I'm so glad. Let's call him Bill. I'm so glad Bill called me. I love that guy. I hadn't talked to him for a long time. And he said, hey, David, I've been thinking about you. You've been on my heart. I said, really? I've been on your heart? Man, I love you too. I'm thinking about you too. What's I'm thinking about you right now as you're texting me? And he says, do you have some time to talk sometime? I said, absolutely, Bill. I haven't talked to you for a while. Uh, how about Thursday at 6.30? Yeah, Bill. How, can we have a Zoom call? I thought, man, is Bill in trouble? Is he divorced? Is, what's going on? Is he having some problems? Is he going to prison? Like, what's going on with him? You know, no, 6.30, yeah. I'm going to need about an hour and a half for the conversation. Anybody know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, Bill's really wanting to fellowship for an hour and a half. Is, is that what Bill wants? And I say, hey, Bill, can I just ask you up front, what's, what's this conversation all about, Bill? Well, you see, uh, I, I just got into this new business, and I was thinking about you and how it will benefit you. Oh, is that right, Bill? Man, th- thank you for thinking about me. Bill, I'm, I seem to be busy on Thursday at 6.30. <laughs> as, much as, I pre- appreci- as much as I appreciate the call, Right? I know that Bill's going to call and he just got involved in some network marketing thing. And that's cool. I'm not against network marketing thing. There's people in the church, I'm sure, involved in that. But I just say, uh, Bill, if, if if I'm on your heart, why don't you just call and talk to me and let's just talk. And then maybe at some point you can get into that and you can tell me what you're involved in. Maybe I'll jump into it too. Probably not. But maybe I will. Right? But I'd like to know at least up front what the conversation's all about. Does anybody know what I mean? I like to know up front what it's all about. See, because sometimes we've been taken advantage of at times with with time, with hours, with things based on relationship. They've used the relationship to try to get something, and, you, and and what does it do? It strains the relationship. So community is what we do together. I'm not saying that we shouldn't think about ourselves, by the way. I'm not saying that we shouldn't. But we are responsible for ourselves, but... Uh, We're responsible for ourselves, but we do have to remember life is not all about you. Life is not all about me. Life didn't start with you. Life won't end with you. We didn't create ourselves. We didn't save ourselves. We didn't disciple ourselves. We didn't redeem ourselves. It was all about someone else doing that for us in our lives. Okay? So it is important for us to think about ourselves at times, but we do have to know that we started out life dependent. We grew into, inter, we grew into, depend, we started out life being dependent, right? Everything, our bottle, our food, everything had to come from us. Even in life, we get out on our own and we were dependent kind of on our parents to get us going and to get us out there. Then we become, um, uh, uh, we start out, we become independent. Then we say, I can live on my own. I don't need anybody else. In, independent. But we mature into interdependence we mature into interdependence. If we live life independent of one another, we're afraid. I believe some people can't get into relationships. I'm not just talking about marriage, I'm talking about friendships because they become so independent and they like living life on their own, but the reality is is the highest the higher level of maturity is interdependence. Being able to work together with one another knowing that there's something higher that God has called you to together or has has, uh, grown in your life together. God loves you. God has a plan for you, but you're not his only plan. Individual versus submission. Individualism sees everything with the scope of how it affects them. God, you're on my team, right? My brothers and sisters are on my team, right? They're on my side, right? God and the church, how do they help my vision? How do they help my calling? How do they help my purpose? Because that's really why I'm here. How are they gonna help what I'm doing outside? Because that's what I'm doing outside. Not thinking that God has called us to do something together as well. And sometimes we think if I focus on what we're doing together, then it will marginalize the things that he's called me to do outside. No, can I suggest to you it won't marginalize it, it'll actually back it and support it. It'll give you legs to stand upon. God has called us to do something. How do I get my vision, my calling to come to pass? How do I get me down the road? So, again, don't have a consumer mentality. Replace what's in it. Say it with me. Replace what's in it for me. I didn't say it good, did I? Replace what's in it for me with what's in it for we, right? Number two, independent thinking. Independent thinking. Replace. Here's what I'm saying to replace. Remember, throw this whole thing. Replace what I think. Replace what I think with what God is saying to us. See, we can walk in all the time. You can walk into something, and you can say, you know what I think. You know what I'd do. You know what I'd. And, you know, I, a lot of times I think that's a great idea. I think that's a great idea. But if we sat down and talked about it, can I tell you why we tried that and it didn't work? Or we didn't try that, and maybe it would work. But replace what I think with what God's saying to us. In the book of Matthew chapter 16, Jesus sat down with his disciples, and he said, Who do men say that I am? And Peter, you know, stood up, and he said, You're the Christ. The son of the living God, the Messiah, who we've all been waiting for. And Jesus looked at him and said, Wow, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Peter. But my father in heaven, in other words, you caught this from heaven. And he says... And he says, and I say to you, listen, blessed are you, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I say to you that you're Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Can I tell you, it's the things that God speaks to you that will stand, It's the things that God speaks to the church that that the church will be built upon. The church won't be built on the seminar you went to. The church won't be built on the book you read. The church won't be built on your brilliant idea. The church will be built on what God says. Also, when God says it, the gates of hell can't stand against it. When God says it, the pastor can't stand against it. When God says it, the leadership can't stand against it. When God says it, you can't—you're not going to stand against the will of God. So, it's important to know what God is saying. Replace what I think with what God is saying to us. So, what do we need to have? We need to have vision. We need to have the same vision. When you look, when you go into your car, I've gave this example before, and you look in the windshields like this big, right? This big. But the, 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 the rearview mirror is like this big, right? Can you imagine if your rearview mirror was this big and your windshields this big? What would you do? You'd get into an accident because you're trying to drive out of your past rather than your your future. And that's what some people do. All they're doing is looking at their past and they're interpreting their future based on their past. But listen, keep your rear view mirror, I mean, you gotta keep it in sight so you don't make the mistakes again, but drive out of your windshield. That's your vision. That's what's ahead. Sometimes you don't see it because you've never been there before. Sometimes you see it because God didn't speak it to you. So what do we have to do? We have to replace what I think with what God is saying to us I don't see it like they do you know I don't see it like they do this is how you hear people talk I don't see us and them it's not we it's us and them well I don't do it the way they do it the way they do it us and them not we oftentimes we separate in order to distinguish to elevate ourselves see we want to distinguish yeah I, I, I don't see it the way they see it there's a there's a line between us and them and really it elevates what I think because I'm you wouldn't say it that way but I'm the man, I'm the woman. I know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, it's, it's pride. It's me thinking, it's independent thinking. And I'll tell you, it'll push down community. Remember in the book of Genesis, we just talked about that they all had one heart and one mouth and God said, nothing they propose will be withheld from them. Why? Because they talk the same way. They had the same heart. So what is our vision and what is our mission? Well, we know because we all have our card right here, right, just in case you're doubting it or in case you don't know it. We want to see people encounter God. Somebody say with me, encounter God. Walk in freedom and live out their destiny in Christ Jesus. That's what our vision is. That's what our mission is. How do we do it? We see on the back our big four. We have Sunday mornings. We have Tuesday nights. We have small groups, discipleship, and we have outreach, right? Those are the things we do and the things that you do, you can see being a part. We're trying to keep the same vision and have the same heart. Why? Because if we can do that, I believe God will breathe through it because these are the things that God proposed. These aren't the things I came up with, right? There there was other things I've, I've thought of and the Lord just keeps narrowing it down to these things. So, an, indis- an independent spirit can lead to division. And you know what division is? It's a divided vision. You know what a div- division is? It's two visions. It's two visions. It's they and us. Well, their vision and my vision, it's divided vision. And what happens when there's divided vision? There's division. The spirit of the Lord can't rest upon it. When there's, when there's division, as someone said, when there's division, there's no provision. Jesus said a house divided against itself, two visions, can't stand. You wonder why your organization's not working? You wonder why your house is not working? You wonder why the church is not working? Because you have divided vision. But you wonder why it is working? Because we have unity. Somebody say amen. We have community. We have unity. Do you see how important unity is to the Lord? We ought to treat division and independent spirit as if they were rattlesnakes, that walked in. We ought to shoot those babies or get away from them. Why? Because it's not whether you're right or right. It's whether you're right on the inside. Not We don't have an independent spirit. Independent thinking. I'll tell you how you can spot an independent uh, uh, spirit. They're looking for recognition. Tell you how you can spot an independent spirit. Uh, it's one that stands on his own. Oh, no, you guys, you guys go ahead. I'm good. I'm right here. That's an independent spirit. Notice it's not just independent actions. It's a spirit behind it. Spirit behind. I'll, I'll just stand out over here on my own. It's an us and them mentality. I don't need. I don't need anyone else. Just me and Jesus. Just me and Jesus. No, G, it's not Jesus in, in his body part. It's Jesus in his body. Right. He's called us to operate. Uh, no one. No one's going to tell me what to do. I don't need. I don't need no. My leader's Jesus. Well, what if Jesus put leaders in the church? Right. What if Jesus put leaders? Right. It's independent thinking. It's a spirit. Um, this could be why, I believe this is why people lack momentum in their lives. They lack momentum. They, that's, I believe this is why some people get lonely, because they're independent. They're, they're all by themselves, and they want to get independent. They, get, they lack, uh, they, they are, they're under pressure. They're by themselves because they've separated themselves in order to elevate themselves. They would never say that, maybe even never think it at the front of their minds, but it's Pride. So what has God called us to do? He's called us to win together. Even the disciples, do you know even the disciples, when Peter stood up and said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, Jesus looked at him and said, on this rock I'll build my church. It's what heaven has revealed to you and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I can imagine Peter was about an inch taller from that point. He's like... That's right, boys. I've been telling you I'm number one, right? He's walking over here. But do you know about the next conversation that was that was he he said you've been hearing from heaven the next conversation? He Jesus called Peter Satan. You know why? Because Jesus said we need to go to Jerusalem to go do this. And he said, No, you're not gonna do this. And he said, Get behind me, Satan. What was he saying? He was saying, Over here you were operating by the Spirit of God. Now you're operating by the Spirit of the devil. Well, wait a minute. I I know he doesn't hear from the devil because he, he heard from God. So did Peter. So do you. So do you. So do I. Right? We can hear the enemy whispering in our ear just because God speaks doesn't mean the enemy doesn't. Right? Even the, remember James and John, James and John, that Jesus would send out his disciples ahead of time to go prepare the way before he'd go into a city. And James and John walked into the city and nobody showed up. Like it was like church was empty. And they looked at Jesus and Jesus showed up and he said, where's all the people? And they said, "Do you want us to call down fire from heaven on these people? And Jesus looked at him. You know what he said? He said, you don't even know what spirit you're of. Notice he didn't just say you said the wrong thing. He said, you're listening to the wrong spirit. See, it's an independent spirit. It's a spirit that wants to separate in order to elevate. And let me tell you, God can't work with an with a independent spirit. Well, let's flip. Let's flip. Um, remember back in Joshua, or back uh, in Joshua when he sent out the 12 spies to go uh, spy out the land Canaan, and 10 of them looked and said, "Man, those dudes are big. We, there's no way we can defeat those guys." And then there was two guys. remember who the two guys were, Joshua and Caleb. The Bible says that they had a different spirit. I want you to notice it wasn't just they said the right things because they read the right book. No, they had a different spirit that was about them. They had a conquering spirit. And you know what God had to do? God had to kill. He had to allow a million people to die off except for two people, and that was the ones who had the right spirit. See, listen, it's not just about conquering. Are you conquering with people who have the right spirit? Are you running with the people who... Let me just tell you, that may be why you're trying to get down the road with something with your work, and it's not going because you're you're partnering with somebody who has the wrong spirit. Give them this message. (laughs) But as a church, I'm telling you, as a church, we're going to run with the right spirit. We're not going to have independent spirit. It's not only about what's being said. It's about the spirit who's driving what's said. So don't get trapped with independent thinking. Replace what I think with what God thinks. Number three is trust, trust. Replace trust in yourself. Here's what you replace. Replace trust in yourself, who thinks you know everything, right? With trust in God and one another. Replace the trust you have in yourself. Right, I know what I'm saying. With trust you have in God and trust you have in one another. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, it says, When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild." But whoever obeys the law is joyful. Acts chapter 2, remember, after the Holy Spirit fell upon them, remember in Acts chapter 2, it says, they continued daily. See, they were waiting for the Holy Spirit to fall on them, but after the Holy Spirit fell on them, I could imagine some of them saying, Psh, I'm good now. Now I'm going to go take it. No, the Bible says they continued with one accord in one place. Well, why? Jesus didn't tell them to continue, but they had the same heart. They had the same spirit. daily in the temple and house to house. They continued with one accord. They had the same spirit. In the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. What did that mean? It didn't need a lot of planning meetings. Sometimes chaos needs a lot of planning meetings because we're trying to figure out how to pull it all together. But let me tell you what unity does. Unity says, let's just show up. I think we're good. It's a lot more simple when we're all in unity. Unity. It's a lot more simple when we all have the same heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And notice what happened. The Lord added to the church daily, those who were being saved. The Lord said, I can add to that kind of church. What kind of church? Unity. Community. It's some of the best witness that we have. Didn't Jesus say in John chapter 17, when the people are one, he says, then the whole world will know that you've sent me. Some of the best witness. Let me tell you, you need relationships. You need relationships. Don't use them to get something for yourself relationships is your ability to relate to one another. I heard someone say that relational equity is the most valuable currency that you have. Relational equity is the most valuable currency you have. Do not burn your relationships to get something for yourself. Your relationships is the largest, the the most important, valuable thing that you have in life. So what do you gotta do? Deposit into them. Deposit into them. Don't cheapen them to get something for yourself. It'll destroy trust. You need trust. I need trust. It's better for us. Do you have an independent spirit? Well, Jesus said a house divided against itself cannot stand. Amos said how can two walk together unless they be agreed, unless they be agreed. Let me tell you what unity. I'll give you one quick word picture of it if you see a brick wall. This, house, this, this church was built in 1909, 1909, so it's over 100 years old, 110, 12, 13, 13 years old. 113 years old. Does that sound right? Okay, good. Thank you, math people. Okay, Um, I need you. Uh, uh, 113 years old, but it has brick out here that was set with mortar, that the mortar is still holding the brick together. What happens if you took out the mortar? You left the bricks, but you took out the mortar. What would happen? It would fall down. Trust is the mortar. See, it's not just we need one another. No, we need the mortar between one another. You can have one another, but you don't trust anything. I don't don't trust nobody. I don't trust anybody, right? Yeah, then you lose your mortar, and what's going to happen? It's going to fall. Trust between one another is a huge, 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 huge thing. We have to have trust for one another. The strongest mortar, the longer we can stand together, the stronger the mortar. The blessing of submission. There is a blessing to submitting to someone else. I don't even like the word submission. You know why? Because you don't want to put your mission under somebody else's. Submission is like submarine. It means to come under. It's taking your mission and pulling your mission under so that it can be a larger mission. It's sub- Submitting, making it a sub-point of a larger mission, right? That's what submission is. But there's a blessing in submission. Your mission comes under a larger mission. Remember, even Jesus said, they came and said, your mother and your brothers are outside. And what did he say? Who are my mother and brothers? But those who do the will of God. What is he saying? He's saying there's only one mission that's important right here. Right? See, there was something. The will of the Lord for your life, the will of the Lord for this church is the main mission. That's what we need to go after. This is why it is vital to have clear vision. It's why it's vital for us to know the vision in our hearts. If you don't clarify your vision, people will begin filling gaps on their own. So without prophetic vision, people cast off restraint. Um, So again, for trust, replace trust in yourself with trust in God and one another. You have to trust God. You have to trust one another. My final point, number four. Number four is this, motivation. Motivation, I think it's the most important point. Motivation. What's your drive and what's your motivation? What's your drive to succeed? What's your motivation to succeed? Why are you doing what you're doing? Why, is we, why are we doing what we're doing as a church? That's why I say all the time, is it to build a big church? Is that, am I saying it's not because that's the right thing to say, but I really am? What is your motivation? What is your drive. It says in the book of James chapter 3 verse 13, one of my favorite passages in the Bible because it checks my heart. James chapter 5 or here replace replace personal agenda with purity of heart. Replace personal agenda, somebody say purity of heart. Purity of heart. with purity of heart. James chapter 3 verse 13 says, "Who's wise and understanding among you, let him show it by his good conduct notice that his works are done in Not what, but in the meekness of wisdom. In other words, it's just as important what you do, uh, how you do something is just as important as what you do. The spirit in which you do it, the motive you have in which to do it, the intent of your heart, the hidden agenda that you really have behind what you're doing is just as important as what you're doing itself. And if you're around spiritual people, they'll pick up on it. They'll pick up on it. If your motives aren't right, if your agenda's not right, it won't stand. And they'll begin to not trust you. We have to have pure motives. He says that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Not just the works, but the motives. He says, but if you have, notice this, bitter envy... And self-seeking in your hearts. Bitter envy literally means to heat up with zeal or piercing, sharp. Bitter envy. If you have, you ever had someone that when you get around them and talk, they just bite? It's almost like they stabbed you and you're like, ouch, bro, what's going on with you? What's with your words? They have bitter envy. If you have bitter envy, they're stabbing you. And self-seeking, self-seeking is just, it's selfish ambition. It's literally the word strife. If you have strife in your heart, contention in your heart, he says, do not, lie, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above. Notice he calls it wisdom, but he doesn't call it God's wisdom. It's earthly wisdom. He says, this wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual. Somebody say these last three words. Earthly, sensual, and demonic. Listen, if you have a drive on the inside that you're doing things that are impure, And you have a motive for self and self agenda behind you. You're inviting in the demonic. You're dividing, inviting evil into what's going on. Can that happen in church? Absolutely. It it has and it does. So what do we have to do? We have to make sure that not only what we're doing, but our motivation is pure. Church, I mean it, that, that our motivation is pure. You watch some people get in and the church grows and they change. Things change, what they're doing changes, motivation changes, and then they fall, and you wonder, how did they fall? Motivation fell. The drive fell. Bitter envy, self seeking, earthly, sensual, demonic. It's the opposite of walking in the spirit. It is walking in the spirit, it's not walking in God's spirit. You can do the right works with the wrong spirit. He says, for where envy, verse 16, for where envy and self-seeking exist, notice, confusion and every evil thing are where? Are there, are where? Where there's envy and self-seeking. Does that just happen in church? No, does that happen at your job? Yeah, at your school? Yeah, in your family? Yeah, where envy and self-seeking exist, their confusion and evil work are there. Sometimes you just walk and you go, there's some funk in the air. There's like something It doesn't feel right. It doesn't smell right. It's just it's that we don't have a clean atmosphere. What is that? There's confusion and there's, there's envy and self-seeking that are in the air. There are confusion and every evil uh, thing or there. It says in New Living Translation where, where there's jealousy and ambition, there you'll find disorder and evil of every kind. Doing things with the wrong spirit invites confusion, disorder, and evil. He says, but the wisdom that's from, from above, I want you to notice, the wisdom that's from above is, what does it say first? First does it say knowledgeable? Does it say have degrees? Does it say experienced? Does it say most qualified? What does it say? You want to know the the you want to know how the spirit of god works? Purity. I don't care how much you know. You don't care how much I know. If you don't have purity of heart. If you don't have the right motivation then you, have, you don't have a leg to stand upon. The wisdom that's from above is first, notice, pure. First, pure. First, pure. Pure motivation is where all serving starts. Pure motivation is where all serving starts, where all discipleship starts, where all following the Lord starts. How do you cooperate with an impure and an independent heart? You can't. You can't share community and speak with impure hearts and motives. You say the right things, the facts, but the impurity will come out. If you're hiding an impure heart and your actions are done up front and you think they'll never know, it will come out. And spiritual people will pick up on it. Spiritual people will say, there's 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 something not right. I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. Have you ever done that? "I I can't put my finger on it. There's just something not right. You know, I've had to pick up that on my own, in my own spirit. Oh, you deal with that? Yes, I do. But I'll tell you what I want to do. I want to deal with that. I want to deal with that. We all have opportunities, like Peter, to have the enemy speak into our ear, get our motives off, get our thoughts off. You might say the right things, but with an imp- the impurity will come out. Let me tell you what it will do. It will slow you down. You will spend your time chasing down people rather than moving forward. So just in summary, I want you to think we, not me. Can somebody say, I think we, not me. Here's my, here's my, the four points again. Consumer mentality. Somebody say, consumer mentality. Say this, what's in it for we? Number two is independent thinking. Somebody say it. Say, what is God saying to us? Number three is trust. Trust in God and one another. Say it. Trust in God and one another. And number four is motivation. Keep purity of heart. I promise you. If we can keep these things, and we can keep as a church and a unified body, keep the presence of the Lord and the sincerity of the Lord, and keep listening to God, and keep our hearts unified and our words unified and our Our motive's pure. There's no telling what the Holy Spirit can do throughout this whole city. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.